Okay, so today we're going to be continuing with our Love 15 series, um, which works its way through Jesus' teaching in John chapter 15. And um, Pete started us off a couple of weeks ago with this series by looking at the beginning of John 15, where Jesus makes this kind of staggering claim. I am the true vine. You are the branches. And if you missed that one, do go back and give it a listen as Pete kind of wonderfully sets out what Jesus means by that analogy. What is he talking about when he talks about the vine? And Pete also then went on to look at the subject of pruning, how some branches get kind of pruned and some get thrown away um, in order that the vine will be fruitful. And so... For us today, the scene has been set. Jesus is the vine. The Father is the gardener who is constantly working to tend to the vine and make it fruitful. And today we're going to pick back up at verse 3 and make our way down to verse 8. I'm going to start from John chapter 15, verse 1 this morning as a refresher. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Those of you who know me will love that I quite enjoy a good theological challenge. I'm actually such a nerd when it comes to theology, and I love kind of thinking through big mysteries and reading like big dusty old volumes to try and figure things out. And so when I sat down with this text for this week, I got out my big commentaries, you know, I've got my like Walter Brueggemann and your N.T. Wright and the whole kind of nerdy gang sort of appeared over my desk. And I began to sort of dig into this passage, but really quite devastatingly, to be honest, I quickly discovered that this message from Jesus in John 15 is, is actually not really complicated in the slightest. And so I actually kept reading because I was sure that someone was bound to sort of overcomplicate the matter with like, you know, contextual information or some like mind-blowing Greek translation issue, but no one did. <laughs> What happens in these verses is Jesus kind of says, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. But stick with me and everything you ask for will be yours. You will be fruitful and I will be glorified. 
it's actually not complicated at all. And all my kind of wordy commentaries could do was sort of paraphrase it. Because Jesus seems pretty clear here about what he means. Which is really terribly inconvenient for me because I'd love to overcomplicate it for you this morning. But I think actually this passage is kind of almost aggressively simple because it's so foundational. It speaks directly to the nature of what our relationship with God actually looks like and is defined by. And so it's almost sort of fascinatingly simple because it is such an important truth for us to grasp. At the heart of this passage and the vine metaphor is this concept of abiding. He talks about it a heck of a lot of times in John 15, you'll notice. So what exactly does Jesus mean when he uses this word, abide? There's a few different aspects to it. To abide in Christ is to remain in Christ, to continue in the ways of Christ, to stay, to have one's abode in Christ. It's a lovely idea, isn't it? Have one's abode in him, to dwell, to reside in Christ, to be firmly implanted in him, to rest in him. So it's referring to the closeness of our relationship with God, staying focused and connected with him, but it's also linked with listening to his words and obeying them. So verse 10, which Pete will look at next week, makes that link between abiding and obeying. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So abiding in Christ means keeping his commandments, so loving God and loving one another. Andrew Murray, the um, the old school sort of 19th century theologian rather than the tennis player, although I'm sure he is also remarkably wise, um, says this, abide in me. That refers more to that which we have to do. We have to trust and obey, to detach ourselves from all else, to reach out after him and cling to him, to sink ourselves into him. How lovely is that? So abiding is sinking in to him. It is taking time in our day and in our lives to really focus on him so that we then spend the rest of our day continuing to abide, continuing to be close to him. We kind of sharpen up our God instincts, as it were, when we're truly abiding so that when we face different situations in our day, we kind of, our reflexes are in line with him with his word and what he wants us to do at each moment and that Jesus kind of says in this passage is the secret key to it all we do that and we bear much fruit we do that and anything we ask is given to us we do that and the father is glorified so simple and yet One of the awesome and quite amusing things about this passage is that Jesus actually takes the time to literally say the exact same thing twice. Did anyone notice that as we were reading it? Check out verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself 
unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is like, let me spell this out for you. Abide and I will do the rest. Abide and you will bear fruit. But without me, you can't do anything. And in case you didn't get that the first time around, let me say that again. I kind of love the idea of Jesus just saying the exact same thing twice and whoever the guy is taking notes is like, yep, okay, abide, otherwise you can't do anything. Oh, okay, abide, otherwise you can't do anything. And so we kind of get this real emphasis here on this point. So I thought for a while about why that might be. Why does Jesus make this point twice for us? And my only answer is that I think this is something that is simultaneously crucially important for us but also incredibly difficult for us. So why is it often so hard for us? Well, as I said, I did a lot of reading to try and overcomplicate this sermon this morning. And I ended up actually just learning quite a lot about agriculture and pruning plants, which is actually horrifically dull. Um, Sorry if we have any gardeners present, but I was lost in like the trestles and the pruning and the but one thing that I learned from my sort of horticultural education was that plants sometimes have this tendency to kind of grow in on themselves like rather than sort of focusing on the sun they kind of grow inwards and actually then they sort of block the light of the sun from themselves And so the gardeners have to come round and kind of trim bits off so that they're no longer blocking their own light. And it helps them to grow outwards instead. A few weeks ago, over the Christmas holidays, I was back in my glorious homeland, God's own country, as we like to call it. And um, I took a visit to one of my favourite places in Ireland. It's called Carrickareed, and it's this sort of beautiful island off the north coast. And fishermen back in the day would use the island to catch salmon as it was sort of the best place to catch them migrating past. I'm really weirdly agricultural this morning, aren't I? Anyway, so the fishermen would be there to catch their salmon. And so they built this like rickety little rope bridge from the mainland across to Carrickareed. And the bridge was so rickety and with all the waves crashing underneath and pretty quickly, lads being lads and all that, Carrickareed Rope Bridge became this like real test of manliness for the men of Ireland. And people would kind of travel from all over the country to see if they were brave enough to cross this bridge. But unfortunately, as with so many spots that become a tourist feature, the National Trust stepped in. Not that I don't love the National Trust, I'm sure they're awesome, but they kind of came in and made this bridge incredibly safe. They sort of put little guards at the edge of it to to watch you as you walk across and make sure you don't sort of do anything crazy. Um, So it's all very safe now, but it's still fun and really beautiful, but it's so touristy, so you go there and it's really busy. But once you get across the bridge, if you dare, and onto the island, it is truly incredible. 
All around you is water, and across from you are these stunning cliffs and coastline, and it's just one of the best places in the world. But on this visit at Christmas, I sort of crossed over, and I'm walking around the island, and I come across this kind of strange kind of queue, and people are like shoving and pushing towards one edge, and I'm like, there should be no queues in nature. <laughs> Why is everybody queuing? But you know, I'm British and we can't resist a queue, so I sort of joined the back and I quickly realized that I'd reached like Selfie Avenue. This little like strip which contains the best view on the island. And so everyone is crowding to be able to take a selfie in this one spot. And some of them even have those selfie sticks. You know the ones? Shame on you if you own one of those. They're horrific. And it was this really sort of surreal scene because it was so busy and people were so concerned about reaching this spot and getting the perfect selfie that I don't think anyone even really saw the view. I'm not sure that anyone really even knew what majesty was right behind them. And you know, the thing about selfies is that there isn't actually that much space in the frame because you're holding the camera so close to your own face. And so when these people get back home and they look at their photos, you know, their beautiful filtered faces, I think they still missed the view. They'll see another shot, another angle of their face with maybe the smallest little sliver of majesty behind them. But I don't think they really saw the view at all. And you know, when I think about those plants that need to be pruned because they sort of turn in on themselves and block their own source of light. And when I think about Selfie Avenue on Carrickareed, I think that abiding is hard for us because we are so used to our whole face in the frame. We're so kind of conditioned to be focused on ourselves that I think we so often miss the view. We miss witnessing the beauty and the majesty of God that's actually right behind us. And so we block our own source of light because we focus on the wrong thing. We get too much of ourselves or the people around us in the frame. And so we need to be pruned so that we kind of grow outwards again. We need to be pruned so that we just stop for a minute. We put down the camera and it's like the father just kind of turns us around to see the splendor that we've been missing. Abiding in the vine reminds us who we are by taking our eyes off ourselves for a moment and turning us around to witness the splendor and the beauty of the true vine, the person of Jesus Christ. How many of us, I wonder, even in our own quiet times with God, if we took a snapshot of those moments, how much of ourselves would be in the frame? And you know, often it's either our sin or our glory that might preoccupy us in those moments. So we might feel we're not worthy to be there or we feel actually we're doing amazingly and either way, Jesus just gently turns us round. Just stop. Abide in me. 
And in this very text, he actually addresses this thing of our sin and our glory too. He prunes and cuts away the bad stuff for us. Our sin gets dealt with by him. And when we abide and when we do bear much fruit, he says, this is to my Father's glory. When we do badly and when we do well, it is still not about us. It's still not us in the frame. And so the problem is, unless we make space in our lives for the beauty and majesty of who he is, we'll never truly understand who we are. We'll sort of take these quick snapshots, mostly of ourselves, sort of throw a nice filter over it, and still walk around the same person. There's no transformation, no real fruit, because the fruit comes only from seeing and abiding in him, the person of Jesus Christ. It comes from being transfixed and rooted and wholly absorbed and connected in him. Abiding is about stepping away from the mirror and towards the majesty. And so we need to create space each day to turn around and take in the view. Abide in him. And again, this is so simple and we shouldn't over complicate it and make it about ourselves. It's simply practicing sort of spiritual disciplines that cause us to pause for just a moment and realign our focus on him so that the rest of our day sort of naturally flows out of our connection to the vine. Growing up, I was often taught about a quiet time, a certain time in the day that was dedicated to spending time with God. So like 7.30 to 8.30 a.m. is your quiet time. And I know that works really well for a lot of people. Um, For me, that idea was kind of a wee bit of a nightmare um, because timekeeping and keeping just strict schedule is maybe not my greatest strength. And those of you who have suffered from my lateness will appreciate that. But I am someone who really enjoys my schedule being pretty sporadic and spontaneous. And so every day, my timings actually just look a bit different. And so assigning a certain time window to God never really worked as a spiritual discipline for me. And so I actually prefer creating sacred spaces to quiet times. So I grew up by the sea, and I used to walk there every day. And as soon as I reached the beach, I would start talking to God. And so for me, going to the beach is is going to a sacred place. You just know. It's kind of instant, isn't it? As soon as I'm there, I just start talking to God, because that is space that's sort of dedicated to him. And Guildford, although it's awesome, is distinctly lacking in a seaside. And so I made another little sacred space here. I've become obsessed with lemons, which is niche, I know, but I love lemons. And so I drink hot water and lemon in the morning. And it's become kind of the first thing I do every day. And so it's become a sacred space for me. As soon as I sit down with my little mug of hot water and lemon, I know this is my time that is dedicated to Jesus, enjoying his majesty, taking in the view, talking to him, and taking myself out of the frame for a while. 
And for me, there's just something really helpful in sort of dedicating that thing, that time, that has helped me to learn to abide, to sort of make it a regular practice. Pete, I know, walks noodle, he's labradoodle. Um, and so whether it's sort of your dog or some lemons or your alarm clock, whatever helps you to just daily remember to turn around, take in the majesty of God will help you to abide in him. And because abiding is spending time with him, but it is also about obeying him, getting stuck into and really meditating on the Bible is one of the most important aspects of abiding kind of making our home in those words and letting them shape us. And so actually memorizing scripture is one of the most powerful tools that I can think of in abiding in Christ. When I was at Sunday school, our teacher would give us money, like real cold hard cash, if we learned Bible verses. And you could get 10 pounds if you learned a whole chapter, which to me was just like mind-blowing inflation from my like two-pound pocket money. So this was like massive incentive. We had one kid in our class who had some kind of photographic memory, Jamie Campbell. He was absolutely cleaning up every week. I don't know how our teacher (laughs) afforded it. Um, But some of those verses that I learned still come back to me at moments when they are unbelievably relevant. See, the word of God is described as living and active. If we spend time memorizing and ingesting this stuff, it kind of lives in us and nourishes us at the most incredible moments. So learning and meditating on scripture will help us to abide. Why not start right here with John chapter 15? Peter Burton is actually memorizing this very chapter at the moment and offered to do a dramatic recital of it for this morning. I said no. (laughs) So we have these two verses really hitting home the idea of abiding. But both verses also go on to talk about fruit. They go on to say that what happens when we abide is that we bear much fruit breakthrough, growth, transformation, growing churches, our characters becoming better, holiness, patience, peace, fruit, breakthrough, which is awesome. But twice, Jesus is very careful to repeat himself and say, if you abide with me, obey me, just chill with me, you will bear much fruit, But he says, without me, you can do nothing. I think he emphasizes this because I think Jesus knows that we actually love to build stuff. We really like the idea that we're here to kind of do stuff. So we hear this idea of fruit, of breakthrough. And we're like, sweet, fruit. Okay, here's our like three-step plan for growth. I'm going to put on the best evangelism event that Guilford has ever seen. I'm going to build the biggest, most awesome church ever. I'm going to pastoral care the life out of every person that I come across. You know, I'm going to write a sermon so good that fruit's just going to be like bursting forth from the congregation. And we kind of, we're like, we'll build and grow and wrestle and fight for breakthrough. And 
we just love to build stuff, don't we? And I think we think we're pretty flippin' good at it as well. So a while ago, Adam and I listened to a sermon by a pastor in America talking all about this thing, and it really impacted us, and it's something that we now kind of keep coming back to and sort of challenging one another on. And in the sermon, the guy talked about the story in Matthew 17 of the Transfiguration. Hopefully most of you will be familiar with that story. If not, do check it out later. But in this story, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain, and this incredible moment happens when Jesus is revealed in glory and begins to shine like the sun, the Bible tells us. And next thing, Moses and Elijah appears. And these are like crazy significant characters from the Old Testament representing the law and the prophets. And they're standing there in glory and talking to one another. And Peter, James, and John are witnessing this incredible moment as Jesus is being revealed in all his divinity and splendor and majesty. And then Peter starts talking. And he says, verse 4, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And this pastor is pointing out that all of this majesty is before him. And Peter's like, it is so good that I am here. I am so good at building stuff. That's the reason it's so good I'm here. I can build huts. Who wants a hut? Jesus? Elijah? I'll make one for you as well, Moses. I am so good at building stuff. And the Bible says that while he's still talking and talking about huts, this cloud comes down from heaven and covers him. In other words, in the nicest way possible, God's like, Peter, shut up just for a moment. Stop talking. Just listen. And you know, as Christians, we often read about the disciples doing things like this, and they're like, it's so good I'm here, I'm so good at building huts. We kind of laugh at Peter, but oh my goodness, you are Peter, (laughs) and so am I. I really think this is what we do as humans. We're on mountaintops with God, and we think we're here, why? To do something, and say something, to build something okay, you're the vine and you want some fruit, Jesus, let me go build you some. And he's like, let me just put this cloud on you for a moment. Abide. Stop. Let me just take the camera from your hands, turn you around, and just look at the majesty of me. And So Adam and I both work for 24-7, and this kind of thing actually hits us a lot. And recently I was asked to be in two places at once to do ministry things. And I'm like going on about, oh, it's so important that I'm there. And I'm sure I've got stuff to say to those people. I'm sure I've got stuff to do there. And Adam just turns to me and he's like, it is so good I'm here. I am so good at building stuff. And you kind of remember, just abide. Stop taking yourself so damn seriously. Just abide and he bears the fruit. He brings the breakthrough. Apart from him, you can do 
nothing. And I kind of get why Jesus had to say this twice because Adam says this to me a lot. (laughs) I say it to him as well sometimes. That we are, we're like Peter. We think we're here to do stuff and say stuff. That's not why we're here. We're here to watch, to look, to witness something. Breakthrough is not about what we can do or what we can say. It's about who we can see. When we abide, when we admire and relish and soak in him, breakthrough will come. It will come easily. Whatever you ask for, Jesus says, verse 7, whatever you ask for will be done. See, when we're truly abiding, when we are captivated by Jesus and focused on him, we begin to look more like him. The branches of the vine begin to take on similarities of the vine itself. And when we look more like him and ask him for stuff, he says yes, because we look like him now. And so the things that we want are all the great things, the things that are good for us and good for the world. We're no longer taking up the whole frame. And so we begin to see the things that he really wants us to have. Jesus promises us complete breakthrough. And you know, it's clear from this passage that Jesus wants us to have breakthrough just as much as we do. Why? Because when we have breakthrough, when we bear fruit, we bring glory to the Father. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory. We bring him glory because he looks at us blossoming and flourishing and bearing fruit. And he's like, check out my kids. Check out what they look like. They look so good. They look so fruitful and full of good juice. And so people look at them and see that beautiful fruit. That's a mouthful. They see that beautiful fruit and they see me and I am glorified. Check out my kids. He is for your breakthrough as much as you are. But sometimes the only thing standing between you and your breakthrough is yourself. It's the only thing that's in the frame. And we just need to put the camera down for a second, turn around and witness the majesty of God. But then sometimes when we do, we're like, okay, we're seeing something awesome. We must build something, do something, say something. I'm going to fight for this and really try really hard. And eventually, breakthrough will come. No, Jesus says, you're here to witness who I am. It's not about what you can do. Just abide and you will bear much fruit. I heard a legend recently about Harry Houdini, the great escape artist. And legend has it that he was attempting to escape through a door with a series of four locks. And he successfully broke three of them, but was completely stamped by the fourth. None of his techniques seemed to apply to this one lock. And although he wrestled and fought with it, he just couldn't figure it out. The lock was not behaving the way a lock should. And so eventually, worn out from fighting it, Houdini rested his head against the door in frustration, and the door swung open. 
See, the boy who had locked him in had forgotten to lock the fourth lock. That's why it wasn't behaving as a lock should. No matter how much he tried and fought that lock, he wasn't going to make any difference to it. The door was already open. Breakthrough, answered prayer, bearing fruit, is not about us doing, building, saying, fighting, wrestling. The door is already open. Jesus has done that. Breakthrough is about Jesus. Just Jesus. Watch Jesus. Adore Jesus. Abide in Jesus. A lifestyle of breakthrough is about a lifestyle of abiding. And a life of abiding is each and every day choosing to live fixated on the face of Jesus.